Off the Ball with thanks to Ford. This season, we're not playing by the rules. We're exceeding expectations. Now as standard, Ford, go further. All right, a very good evening to you. Welcome along to Friday Night's Off the Ball. And uh, we're talking rugby tonight. Delighted to say we've got Brian O'Driscoll with us. Brian, very good evening to you. Good to see you. Are you enjoying the Six Nations way more than all the rest of the country seems to be? <laughs> We're like, oh no, this is terrible. We're winning games. It's terrible. I, I, I think this. a bit more. I think a bit more. Um, I I think better can come. But you know, what's not to like? Two from two. Yeah. Um, and a sense of confidence permeating through to the players. You have to assume as well from the way that they're going out, doing their jobs and finding that that brings good rewards and results. Yeah, quietly confident. I, I, the Six Nations is all about building and you, know, you win the first two and everything there's a chance of everything people of start tweeting people about Grand start, Slams yeah, yeah and people that should know better um, <laughs> tweeting about Grand Slams <laughs> and like, all no of a sudden I find myself out in, out in the cold <laughs> and saying outlandish hey, things they're going to win the World Cup <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, no apparently 15 years of playing it yourself does absolutely nothing for keeping you know reality in check so uh, no apologies for did, that did you get a few angry tweets and texts yourself going here shut up well, your, your whatsapp melts well I, I read that it was brought up in the press conference um, by Jerry Thornley and you know Joe Schmidt <laughs> said oh great thanks Draco <laughs> so I had to text him I only read it a couple of days later and so I had to text Joe saying oh f- sorry about that one <laughs> just like I got very excitable what am I going to do it's like you're back in school it's just on the final whistle the tweet was it it was it wasn't it was, I thought I gave it a good 40 minutes after <laughs> that's even worse you stick with the uh, tweet band that, that you have in for the next couple of years I should think about that yeah. I should think about it. don't go with your emotion Keith Earls was saying that it's a bit like being at school when you know I have this vision of Keith Earls being stopped just in the corridor one night by Joe Schmidt and me too being asked like here's 10 quick questions Earls if you don't get them you're getting dropped is it, is it a bit like that he's like just keeping you on your toes going right Whatever, whatever move. Where, where would your position be vis-a-vis like chess? A little bit, but you know he can he can spring those. Maybe not so much in the corridor, but uh, well, at least I was never sprung on, on the corridor. But definitely, you know, he'll he'll ask in meetings sometimes, and and you know he'll he'll throw a warning question out. I'm going to ask someone, and if you, you know, I used to sit at the front of the meetings, and uh, you turn around and everyone would be frozen, going <laughs> or head down. Please do not pick me. But it is. It's a little. There's a little bit of school teacher in Joe. Obviously, ex school teacher, and you know nothing quite like ruling with a bit of fear. Yeah, and it obviously works. Oh, one hundred percent works. There's, there's. I, I think you'll find that there's not that many missed calls. Everyone understands their role very well. I think it's it's clear with the level of, um, of detail that that the team are going with at the yeah. moment that people know what their job is and not their job for two, three and four phases it's seven, eight and that's obviously it helps when you've got a barking ten like Johnny you know, ruling the roost but that comes essentially from Joe and you know him talking to the squad throughout the week Alright, if anybody has any questions for Brian 53106 is the text number we're going to get into some more detailed analysis of Ireland's performance in a couple of minutes but we do need to bring in the news of the day Ian. Yeah, Leinster and Ulster uh, both in action tonight in the Guinness Pro 12 Jur after a disappointing defeat to the Dragons last time out which saw them slip out of the top four Leinster will be eager to get straight back to winning ways tonight they play host to uh, bottom of the table Zebra Shane Jennings captains the side a, a day after announcing he'll be retiring at the end of the season it also includes the likes of Owen Redden Marty Moore Gordon, Gordon Darcy 
and Fergus McFadden. Uh, Ulster were the side that profited most from Leinster's defeat last weekend as they moved above them into fourth place. Ian Henderson starting in the second row for Ulster tonight. Stuart McCloskey is also back partnering Darren Cave in the centre and Craig Gilroy is among the players in the back three. They've travelled to Murrayfield to take on Edinburgh. Those two matches getting underway at 7.35 just kicked off between Treviso and the Cardiff Blues. Quick um, word about Shane Jennings. Uh, you wrote in your book about the impact that he had as well coming back from Leicester but uh, kind of a, an underappreciated sometimes. You kind of need just everybody needs to remember that this is an incredible impact he's had. Yeah I think Matt O'Connor got it in one yesterday and I, I think you'd find it hard to find someone else that had a bigger effect on the squad turning their fortunes around than Shane Jennings maybe Leo Cullen the two of them coming back from Leicester together back in changing our environment and changing that culture and Jeno uh, Jeno's real, really old school um, you know to have the you know in, in an era where it's you know it's young lads and there's a lot of flashiness Jeno would be you know, turning a blind eye to things that he didn't want to see, and and you could just, you know, he, he was a real team man, um, and it sounds as though he, you know, he's passed away, but um, <laughs> but he, he was. A, I love playing in a team with with Geno. He just, you knew what you were getting from him. Incredibly honest player, and uh, yeah, he'll be a big loss, and not just from his playing capabilities, but with the team and, and from a leadership point of view I think they were probably looking at holding on to him in particular losing some guys for the World Cup next year yeah. um, but you know, he's calling it on, on, on his own terms there is a lot to be said for that and Munster and Connacht meanwhile named their teams today ahead of their matches over the weekend Munster have been able to call on the likes of Felix Jones Ian Keatley CJ Stander and Tommy O'Donnell for their trip to face the Scarlets tomorrow afternoon they're in second place at the moment in the table just behind Glasgow Donico Callaghan knows how important it will be to at least maintain that position over the next few weeks You've a short window, you've a short time, and you have to be really selfish within it to, to grab what you can. And, uh, you know, fellas are usually disappointed about the, the Champions Cup. And I'll be honest, it's probably the, the fire that's fueling us at the moment. You know, we're monster, we don't go out at that point. And, and maybe the manner in which we went out as well is usually disappointing. So, you know, we have a massive four week block now where we lose the likes of Connor and Pete and Paulie. But it's up to the other guys now to step up and put in a massive performance so that we're in the shake-up and that's all you can be you know at this time of the year you can't think too far ahead all you can think of is Scarlet Connacht meanwhile have named fit again Craig Ronaldson at inside centre for Sunday's uh, meeting with the Dragons at Rodney Parade Owen Masterson starts at number 8 and scrum half John Cooney who's been bouncing back and forth between Connacht and Leinster for the last couple of weeks also gets a start uh, Football Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers has revealed that Mario Balotelli was within his rights to take the penalty last night that sealed a 1-0 win over Besiktas in their Europa League tie the Italian striker appeared to take the ball off Jordan Henderson before taking the spot kick which prompted uh, club captain Steven Gerrard to say during the ITV coverage that Balotelli was being disrespectful. Rogers though says today that Balotelli was the right man to take the spot kick. With the players that were initially on the pitch last night and obviously Jordan was a nominated penalty taker but if Jordan and Stephen and Mario were on the pitch at the same time then we nominate Stephen and Mario was the penalty taker so it just varies it's really all with the, the player who is responsible for the, the penalty and, and Jordan Henderson showed last night what a team player he was. You know, he respected Mario's position and that he's an outstanding penalty taker. And uh, and he was happy to give him the penalty. I'd love to see what would have happened if he'd missed. <laughs> Just the massive 
shitstorm that would have rained down on Mario Balotelli's head because he missed the penalty that he stole from Jordan Henderson. He didn't steal it though. It's not like Morales Baines one. Baines was a better penalty taker than Morales. Morales robbed it off him. But Balotelli never misses penalties. If mm. I was on the Liverpool team, I would want Balotelli taking it. Did Brian ever see Dunica putting on the fake tan or does he just have a sunbed? Comes a texter. No, sunbed. Oh, yeah? yeah. No fake tan. Yeah. Fake tan wouldn't play very well in the Irish You'd be found out pretty quickly in the scrum. You would. You would. You see guys with umpa hands. Yeah, <laughs> it would be, yeah, be a tricky one to get away with. Uh, I more had the impression that Joe is hiding behind tackle bags and jumping out at Earls and shouting restarts and Earls he has to think really fast and say what he should be doing during them I wish that was true says this Dexter or and even walking down a corridor in a hotel and Joe jumps out of a room with 10 questions nothing wrong, that be true. nothing wrong with saying there's a grand slam in this team there is and they should have high expectations there you go thank you Live uh, football in the Championship tonight. Second from bottom, Wigan playing host to Charlton. That game kicks off at 7.45. Uh, meanwhile, the GA today unveiling uh, AIB as one of their primary sponsors for the All-Ireland Football Championship. They'll continue to support the All-Ireland Club Championship and the Camogie Club Championships up until March 2018. But they're also going to replace GAA Go as one of the three sponsors of the Football Championship. A deal the Irish Independent reports is worth €1.5 million Euro per year. And meanwhile, DCU and UCC will contest tomorrow's Sigerson Cup final at the Mardike UCD and or DC rather needed a late goal to get the better of uh, their Dublin rivals UCD in the opening semi-final of the day Ross Commons Enda Smith scoring twice for DCU including the rebound from his own pe- uh, injury time penalty miss to claim a dramatic win in the end 2-8-2-11 points UCC meanwhile continue the defence of their title as they progress to their fifth final in the past six years with a resounding a 2-13-8 points victory over IT Carlo Luke Connolly and Thomas Higgy getting the goals for the tournament hosts Seamus and Chanagari wants to know did you ever think of grabbing the ball like Mario off Johnny or Ronan to take the glory of a winning penalty he's never seen me kick goals that's coming from a guy under 19s who was a goal kicker in the World Cup and missed in front of the post in the penalty shootout so <laughs> yeah. the answer is no uh, you were a good man for having a pop at a drop goal when the referee had his hand up for a penalty anyway so it was a free shot free yeah shot. and in, in this current climate if I did that with, uh, with Joe there he would Oh, absolutely berserk! Oh yeah, really? yeah, yeah. No, if there's a if there's a freebie penalty on offer, you go for a seven pointer. All right. Mm. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. You'll uh, you you will not see people going for drop goals. Yeah, that's a lousy good, good kind of thing to have. Mm. It's a lovely free shot at the goals. <laughs> Schmidt's just regimenting everything. He won't allow any bit of a, a laugh on the field at all. You can do whatever you want and get <laughs> your going after your seven pointer. You can you can cross field kick it. Oh yeah, yeah. you can do it. that. Chip yeah, it to yeah, yourself. Yeah. Okay, you can no, chip it to yourself. Do you know what? You can even drop goal it to yourself if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd try to drop goal to myself. We all know that, yeah. Uh, Ireland's Martin Irvine is in 15th place in the men's Omnium after two rounds of action at the uh, Track Cycling World Championships in France. Irvine's personal best time of uh, 4 minutes 26.814 seconds in the 4K pursuit helped to improve his overall position after a disappointing 20th place finish in the scratch race earlier today. So he returns to the track in around about an hour's time for the elimination race, which is the third of, I think it's seven events in the Omnium. Also in cricket, England captain Owen Morgan has described this morning's eight wicket uh, World Cup defeat to New Zealand is one of the most disappointing results of his career after winning the toss and batting first England bowled out for just 123 runs New Zealand needed less than tw- 13 overs to wrap up what was a comprehensive victory that effectively secures their place in the quarterfinals he'll have a much better World Cup in four years time when he's playing for Ireland uh-huh. F- 53106 is the text number if you want to tweet us you can get us at off the ball another text Schmidt at Earls women referees and he'd have to think very quickly and say I'm in favour of them <laughs> <laughs> 
We're going to take a quick break. We'll talk about uh, Ireland's performance in the Six Nations so far. Brian and Jessica, right after these. Off the ball, with thanks to Ford. This season, we're not playing by the rules. We're exceeding expectations. Now as standard. Ford, go further. All right, it's your final chance to enter our competition this week for an absolutely brilliant prize with a trip for two to a Premier League game of your choice with thanks to Wellman Advanced Nutrition for Men. The prize, which will be given away later this week this letter this evening includes match tickets return flights and a two night hotel stay every correct entry we've had all week goes into the draw for the prize we've got a nightly prize of a sports hamper full of Wellman products as well as 250 euros worth of Umbro gear to give away to get yourself in the draw identify tonight's mystery voice who was asked how many times Woolley went to his Spanish class before giving up dos, tres, cuatro uh, times <laughs> that's another college Woolley's dropped out of <laughs> dos, tres, cuatro uh, times <laughs> Text Wellman, W-E-L-L-M-A-N, along with your name and your answer. Send the message to 53106 and we'll have a nightly winner and an overall winner just before 8 o'clock tonight. Again, it's always thanks to scientifically formulated Wellman Advanced Nutrition for Men, meeting the nutritional and lifestyle needs of today's man. Go to wellman.ie. That sounded just like you talking to Diego Dominguez last time. He's <laughs> <laughs> trying to help out. <laughs> so, Diego, France. <laughs> you play? <laughs> All right. Tell me you don't have a snippet of that, right? <laughs> We're not going to go How there. How do we not? That's bad. The producers have been a bit lax. So Ireland beat France and everybody's given out. We've kind of, we'll talk a little bit more about that with um, uh, Stuart Barnes in a moment. But what about the quality of the performance? Like um, the, the pain etched on Paul O'Connell's face, I'm sure, was more than just physical. He was like, oh, there was loads of stuff there we needed to do better. People are pinpointing a few minor things. One of them is obviously the, the fact we didn't score the try when... Sexton and, and Payne are close to the line. What was your read of that situation? My read of it was that, you know, kind of simple. And, and with the greatest respect to, to Jared, he's he's definitely a 15 that's playing in a 13 jersey. And I think he's doing a really, really good job. But in that one circumstance, from, from my, my take on it, was that he was a 15 in a 13 jersey there where he was hole running, where he, was, he picked the line and decided... You know, his 10 had to give it short to him because that was the line he was running. That's fine doing that a further channel out where Rob Carney was going to be because there tends to be more of a decision already made. But when you do that a channel in, in the 13 space, you cut down the options of going wide. When you say hole running, you mean he sees a hole. So, yeah, exactly. He picks a line, you know. uh, Listen, there's lots of, there are 13s out there that are hole runners. Me personally, I was never very good at it. Um, it's it's just guys identifying how to hit a line against the grain a lot of the time, and so le- leaving defenders unable to get to them. Yeah. So um, Jared does it fantastically, but largely from fullback. And um, the problem with doing it in that instance is that he cut uh, cut out uh, Sexto's option of throwing the long pass to to, to Carney. Um, and he, you know, Johnny throws them for fun, and people were talking about, oh, you know, Carney and Zebo's depth was too much. It wasn't. It was perfect because it gave Johnny an opportunity to be able to float it out in front of him. Uh, Huje was still fifteen meters away from him. Carney would have, you know, caught and passed, and Zebo would have been in in the corner. So the problem with Jared picking the line like that is that then it was limited to two act, two options. Johnny could have carried or Jared was getting the pass. And in the end, Johnny did the wrong option. He should have carried himself because the defender drifted off onto Jared. And, you know, that was probably, for me, it was his only critique in, in, in a game. I think Jared's been kind of an unsung hero within the team in the last two games. And I expect in the next three games him to have one really impressive performance where everyone's going to go, ah, I knew this guy Payne was a good player. Yeah, you know? so when... 
you've had that in your career, is there a possibility that you can look at something like that and go, okay, now I see that I need to do something slightly different the next time? Of course. Yeah, of course. He's... um it's hard to you're going on instinct a lot of the plays are happening so quickly that yeah. you go on instinct but when he looks back on that he, you know maybe this is only my opinion but maybe he'll go oh, maybe if I'd stayed off if, if you stay off you make the defence make a decision rather than he made the decision for them by yeah. picking that, that line whereas if, the, if he stayed off and drifted across with Sexto they might have been going across the pitch but they still had half the pitch to work with Loads of and room. yeah and they had and France had two defenders with one really late closing the closing the gate and if if he'd thrown that long pass out to Carnes it was try time yeah didn't help that Sexton threw the ball at his chin as well. No, listen, that's, he certainly wasn't to blame for that. I would have loved to have heard Sexto's voice in the bottom of the rook, whether he was shouting at himself or whether he was shouting at Jared. But there was definitely shouting going on. Uh, so that's a, a situation where Ireland don't score that try and suddenly France get back in the game. Um, what, what are those games like when you miss an opportunity like that? That changes the whole perspective and that changes total public opinion because... Ireland, I don't know what the score was at the time, but it's definitely Ireland are going two scores ahead and everyone, you know, know, the the atmosphere gets going and the crowd gets in behind the team and particularly French, you know, a a poorly coached French in in, in my opinion, um, you know, they kind of go, oh, you know, tough day in the Aviva, maybe, you know, maybe. I think it might have been 12-6 at at that stage. Okay, so, you know, Possibly even three scores. Yeah, game over. So it's absolutely game over. And then that you know you you kind of loosen up a little bit more, and you might throw um, a bit more of a fifty-fifty. And if passes stick, you might score an extra couple of tries. And then there's none of what's written this week. So it, it did have an impact, um, but I think it, a lot of the stuff written has been pretty uh, harsh because they are playing really smart, winning football and. You know, it's it's two from two. The extrapolation is that Ireland didn't score a try. Rugby itself is broken. We need to fix it. No, it's not. It's fine. <laughs> it's um, there's a there's a couple of annoyances. Obviously, the scrum is is still it continues to be very annoying. Yeah. Um, Bandwagoners like Colm are obsessed with the the scrum. We'll talk about it in a minute. But even even things like kick contest, people are giving out about. You know how much nines are, are box kicking, but when you've got someone like Connor Murray, who's a world class box kicker, it's it's a, a form of attack as well, and it's a form of getting territory. And if you don't get it back yourself, then tackling the opposition into touch and building again—that's the game is about momentum, and Six Nations is about momentum. You don't go and score from your own twenty-two. That's a rarity, yeah. particularly in the modern game because defenses are you know, are so tight. One of the things, I kind of almost got into this with Tommy Bow. Ireland is good at kicking and always has been. And we were derided as a all we had in the 60s, 70s, 80s was the Gary Owen. But it turns out that actually part of our culture because of the sports that we play is that we have, we're good at kicking and catching. And now we're using that to our advantage. And surely this is incredibly, like this is part of our identity. And it's a good thing. Yeah, it is. Shouldn't we embrace it? Yeah, absolutely. You look at the like, iconic tries that we've scored, you know. People laud, you know, the Raj... Um, Shane Horgan kicking Croke Park in in oh seven it'll forever go down as one of you know Ireland's beautiful. great yeah. tries exactly right so you love that you know, we have to we have to embrace but that, was that mixed, this is that was mixed in with other play as well you know that's why that was so yeah, beautiful okay, is that okay, it came out of enough. nowhere but the kick passes you know, I think England's Johnny Wilkinson's England team 
was were the real inventors, maybe a little bit with some of the Aussies um, of that kick pass where wingers used to hold this incre- incredible de- uh, width. Yeah. And if defences started narrowing, you know, he was able to put it exactly where the winger was going to be going at full tilt. And so that made defences sit back and think we're going to have to you know, show wider and then, you know, you can attack through the midfield. So it's just, it's all a case of, give, you know, giving this picture of how you think, you know, you, how, how you, you reckon the opposition think you're going to play and then changing it and, and doing something completely different. Yeah. So I think they identified the French fullback as being potentially weak as well, you know, so they were landing them on top of him. Yeah, I, I, for, for, for me again, you know, Spedding is okay. He's, he's a solid, he's a big lump. Um, you know, he's obviously he's okay for Bayonne. I haven't seen a whole lot of of top fourteen, but uh, a fit Bryce Doolan at fullback is a far more of a threat for 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 me. And um, I just think they they picked um, you know they're picking on picking guys that are kind of safe without yeah. having that that French flair that we all know and love. And go back to that and get the ball to the, the likes of. Huge on the wing. He yeah. he was anonymous at the weekend. He barely touched it. He is absolutely class. Teddy Tamar, I know he went off. Um, he went off early. Um, I sound like Joe Schmidt there. Joe, any time we were in when camp, because he's lived in France, you know the strongest French accent for any player. So um, t- Teddy Thomas, as as he's, <laughs> he's commonly known, <laughs> um, he went off early, but he's another real talent. So you know, if you've got those guys at your disposal, you got to get it into their hands. And and France really aren't for, for me aren't playing to their strengths. Yeah, which is great news ahead of the World Cup, except that they bring Para on and they get very good, and you kind of just be a little bit concerned that either they sack Saint Andre or he has some weird road to Damascus conversion. Or alternatively, the senior players do what they did in, in, in 2011 and, yeah. and take over themselves and you know, tell, tell Lievermont to shut up and sit over there and we're going to take this session, we're going to run it our way. And But I don't think France have that level of seniority within no. their team. They've obviously got Doucetoir, um still pulling the strings for them, but... Um, you know, other guys. Para has to play for them. He's, you know, particularly his combination with with um, Lopez at, at at ten. You know, it's it's a no brainer. And you saw, you know, France got so much better with him on there. So I would imagine th- that learning curve, the Saint Andre, and the pressure he's under of you know, picking Cockett, that will change. And so France will be better in the World Cup. They can't be an awful lot worse than they were at the weekend. The other thing about Ireland's performance before we talk about the the scrums briefly is that that was. A full game for O'Brien. We were only getting Healy back on the field as well. It was the first game in 12 weeks for Johnny Sexton. So we're expecting them to be at their very best because we've seen them play amazing games for Ireland before and we're holding them to that standard. You know, it's fair enough. But actually, it takes them a little while to get yeah, back. it does. And the only, the, the only frustration is that it's not going to be this fantastic um, game on the, on the eye against England. It never is. It's an arm wrestle against England. Other than the Croke Park game, where it was emotion more than anything else that took over that day, um, they're they're really you know closely fought contests against England last year, one try apiece. Yeah. Um, more often than not, if we have beaten England, it's by one score. So I I, I think we, people might have to wait for another game. And if listen, if we're in the same position, one game further on where we've won three from three. 
I think Wales might be the game because Wales want to play themselves. And so even though they have this hard-pressed defence, teams that want to go after you know, scores and, and play in an elaborate style tend to be good teams to attack against as well and g- give you that little bit more space. I think they do defend man-on-man and defend in because I don't know whether... Um, all of their players, and I'm, and, and I'm not singling out individuals, all their players are well equipped to be able to make good reads and so they do that out of necessity. So you're tying them all with the same brush, actually, instead of singling out individuals. <laughs> kind of. As, 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 as it would happen, yes, that seems to be the case. Ireland did run in tries against Australia, you know, and they're an attacking team, so it probably is horses for courses, you know, what the, the tactics Joe uses. Yeah, but if you think about, the, not to take away from that, result and performance one was an intercept Tommy Bow like oh, the yeah. bitch and one was a kick chase from, okay. from Simon Zebo so that kind of disputes that, that. <laughs> you did want to talk about the scrums though cause oh yeah as a viewer scrums are gone extremely annoyingly boring they collapse all the time there's penalties that result from scrums nobody knows why they're penalties it, it, they create such a break in play that I think it gives the big monsters that everyone's given out about these 24 stone fellas a chance to recuperate because their cardio you know fitness yeah. wouldn't be that good mm. this is the, it, the theory put forward by the whiff of cord yeah, blog yeah that blog today um, and you know there doesn't seem to be a solution to it but it is horrible it's horrible to watch that is that, you know what that's a good shout I had never thought about it from a cardio point of view but it seems it seems very relevant because now I, I'd love to know what the stats are in, in scrums in the professional game but you'd have to think that somewhere around 60 or 70% of them are reset or come out in free kicks or penalties. Yeah. And so the the disaster in rugby is when you have a number of knock-ons in a game inevitably you have a number of scrums and it must look absolutely terrible. And one one thing that frustrates backs as well we don't know what really goes on. I think there's two things that I know it's about the bind being slipped and that's what referees are looking for massively and also for them to keep their hips square not to be you know trying to um, drive in with their hips out wide trying to drive in yeah. on, on the hooker the props keeping square if the if he sees that you know the, the, the scrum wheels or he's boring in so they're the two things that, that I know about scrummaging what, what frustrates the outside backs is when you're in the ascendancy in a scrum and you might even have penalty advantage, and they, they, you know, the, the forwards, the Neanderthals in the forward pack, still go after this team. Now their mentality is very different than ours. They're thinking they want to put a screw in the opposition's heads. We're thinking, give us the ball. Yeah. We might actually be able to score from this. Where it's a really great attacking position. So, I, I understand they want to get a mental edge on the opposition, but we want to play with the ball. Isn't we, the trouble we, with we their... We don't play rugby for, to just, you know, watch penalties go over. And doesn't the trouble with their uh, mentality go back to Colin's point that you can actually... So that front row is getting creamed. Then we'll just bring on the other front row and see how... The sub front row and see how they're doing, which sometimes might not be the sub front row anyway. And in some cases, if he ends up getting screwed, oh, I've got, I've got an injury. Yeah. I get bring on the, the original guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Three more so, monsters that are not fit come bounding onto the field. Yeah, yeah. It's... Um, it's interesting because the, the the scrum, you know, your tight head prop is vital to you because if he's going back, the the knock on effect of that of of having poor scrum ball yeah. it ha- can be huge. Can be it's penalty penalty yeah, penalty exactly. And, and then the, the knock on the, yeah, it, it happened with with uh, Leinster and Northampton in the Heineken final a few years ago where they were getting screwed in the scrum and then Myler was kicking fifty meter 
penalties down and massive territory, and yeah. then they changed it at half time and got in the ascendancy, and look how the game changed. Now, Johnny had one of the games of his life, but that was a massive component on him getting uh, a footing into the game. Yeah. All right, we're going to leave the scrummaging there for now. We're going to talk Ireland-England with Stuart Barnes in a moment. Uh, I should tell you as well, in case you don't know by now, Brian's going to be back with us next Wednesday night when we're going to be coming live from the Mansion House here in Dublin with thanks to our friends at Heineken. Loads of great guests, including Keith Wood, Andrew Trimble, Neil Back, World Cup winner with England, famous for that hand, of course, against uh, Munster. Jerry Thornley, Kevin Maggs and Mick Galway. We're even going to bring Colm as well. The show is sold out at this stage, unfortunately, so if you haven't te- texted us already for tickets, you're just a little bit too late. You will, of course, be able to listen to the show live and in glorious Technicolor, uh, as always, on Newstalk and Newstalk.com. Drink Heineken sensibly, visit drinkaware.ie. Brian, stay with us. We're going to be back after the break with Stuart Barnes. Off the ball, with thanks to Ford. With the arrival of the brand new 151 Ford range, a transfer is definitely on the cards. Ford, go further. We've been giving away a great prize all week. A trip for two to a Premier League game of your choice with thanks to Wellman Advanced Nutrition for Men. Match tickets, return flights, two-night hotel stay. Every correct entry this week has gone into the draw. We're going to make that draw in about 10 minutes' time, so this is your final, final opportunity. Uh, nightly sports hamper course full of Wellman products as well. Just identify tonight's mystery voice who was asked how many times Woolley went to his Spanish class before giving up. Dos, tres, cuatro uh, times. Text Wellman, W-E-L-L-M-A-N, along with your name and answer. Send the message to 53106 and we'll uh, announce our nightly winner and our overall winner in about 15 minutes' time. Again, it's all with thanks to scientifically formulated Wellman Advanced Nutrition for Men meeting the nutritional and lifestyle needs of today's man, check out wellman.ie. Now, delighted to say we've got Stuart Barnes with us to look ahead to this Titanic match between Ireland and England. Um, Stuart, you haven't been impressed with Ireland. I think that's the best starting point for us here. Your column on Sky Sports was saying Ireland have become efficient and ruthless, but not particularly enjoyable to watch for the neutral so far. No, but I wouldn't say that's the same as not being impressed. Um, I haven't found them enjoyable to watch, but International rugby is not just about uh, uh, delivering enjoyment to neutrals. Um, I've been, imp- I have been impressed with Ireland. Uh, I just don't think they've been easy on the eye. But um, if I was an England coach, I'd be worried because of the efficiency and the organisation. And, and I, I just think that Warren Gatland is talking about Wales being a different team come the World Cup. Um, I just sense uh, Ireland will be a different team, possibly come England, definitely come the World Cup. So um, it's not that I'm not impressed with them. I just think they're not as pretty as they used to be. Brian, is part of this just about building a culture, where your culture becomes a winning culture? Yeah, there's definitely that. And, you know, he's definitely, he has, uh, Joe has, has built that. It's it's uh, one loss since the All Black game to, to England in last year's Six Nations. Um but I think, you know, I can understand to a degree what Stuart's talking about. And there's been a fair bit of negativity uh, this week, you know, surrounding the performance. But the days when people are getting uppity about, a, a, you know, a win against France, it's yeah. probably a good thing in a way because the expectations are so high. But at the same time, you, you know, people talk about Joe Schmidt's Leinster team and how good they were and how attacking they were. The international game is a very, very different game. So in situations where a lot of the plays that you know we might have seen with with Ireland were done with Leinster, but yet guys are shutting them down because you've got 
you know, in the provincial setup, in the club setup, you've got three or four in each team of international standard. And when a play gets shut down, it's usually those are the ones that read them. Whereas internationally, everyone's thinking the same way and everyone's thinking that fraction earlier. Yeah. And that line out, you know, I've seen Leinster do it in the past, the line out over the top to Devon Toner last week, back into the winger, that was shut down before it even happened. I've seen breaks being made at provincial and club level of that same play. So they're, they're the margins we're talking about. It's a significant... Uh, standard increase up to international than it is at European level. Yeah, um, Stuart, from England's perspective, they seem to have finally found the right combination of players, particularly in the back line, to unleash the incredible amount of talent they have. Um, I'm fascinated to see how we go about shutting that down. How do you think England are going to go about opening up Ireland's defence? Oh, I think, first of all, what England won't do is try and open up Ireland from any distance. I think for a year... They've got a little bit confused within themselves in that they've wanted to expand their game, but they've tried to play from far too close to their own try line. Um, I don't think England will be as efficient as Sexton is with the territorial game, but I think George Ford will look to get down there. Then I think England will look for a strong set piece, and from that they'll try and get someone like Jonathan Joseph into the game. You know, I, I think England's best game is a powerful territorial set-piece based game but that is not to say that you you don't have space for and don't need one or two um, match winners and Joseph has developed in that line um, but you know this game against Ireland I, I I get a feeling that if Joseph could do one brilliant thing England would take that uh, and settle for a, a real scrap. Brian made the point about the, the, the fine margins and the step-up in Test Match Rugby. Ireland seem, at the moment, slightly more adept. They're making less errors. And, you know, at this level, sometimes it's not who does the most good things that win. It's the team that does the least bad things. And that's why I think England will try and play very, uh, very much in the Irish 22. And they won't be playing as they did in the first 20 against Italy when they were trying to force offloads. Um, they're still developing their game um, and they're going to be very dangerous um, but I think the backs are the extras in, in this particular production. Stuart, do you think it's interesting hearing you talk about Joseph and I've been hugely impressed by him this season and he's, he's found himself in the team through default and obviously after the first yeah. two rounds of of the Six Nations, he's now, you know, he's, he's, he's the guy for player of the championship you know, in the making. And he has been spectacular. But now there seems to be this huge focus and pressure being put on him. Um, I agree with you that you, you know, in the Ireland-England games in general, one thing can turn a game and it's, it's rarely a try-fest. Um, but you know, so much of an onus now, all of a sudden, is straight away being put on this guy. This guy's, you know, young shoulders. You know, is is he up to being able to take that level of pressure? I think this is the big question now, Brian. There's no doubt at all about his talent. I mean, we saw that performance for Bath against Toulouse, and it was just jaw dropping. And he's backed it up with with two outstanding performances for England. I mean, against this guy, the problem is if you have a if you drift. And, and you're the guy marking him, you don't trust your inside drifter because he's got such an incredible change of pace. It's really hard just to back what you're doing. And if you go one-on-one on him, um, people say he's like uh, Jerry Guscott. Jerry Guscott had an elegant outside break. This guy stops you, and then he just fizzes. He's got real electricity. So he's got all the talent. Um, one of the reasons why... Uh, England say that he, he he didn't make an earlier breakthrough. They questioned his sort of mentality. 
Now they're saying that it's much better. And now they're saying we've measured him in terms of his defensive work, in terms of all the little bits and pieces that make up 80 minutes. And I, I, I'll spare your blushes. He, he's certainly not going to be like you over the ball just yet. But he has improved. And what I do think is that he has the belief in himself to go and create that one moment that could just win a game for England. So I actually think he has a little bit to prove but having watched him all season at club level, and, and, and you know how difficult Cardiff is, and, and for England on a Friday night, it's doubly difficult. And he just bestrode Cardiff like it was born, he was born to it. So, uh, you know, yeah, at the moment, uh, you know, he, he is the player of the tournament so far, and I think he'll be the man Ireland have to watch out for if it's going to come down to one moment. I guess you're still watching games and thinking, how would I do against him? When you watch him and you're, you, you, know, you listen to what Stuart says and, and, and how fast he is and he's got that burst, what do you do? Don't plant your feet early. And it's, it's funny, Stuart's right, and, and that try that he scored the, against Italy, the, um, the first one, uh, when he was, I think he was still at 13 then, but as a Haimona, you know, the, the prop like 10, yeah. um, you know, went to and, and reached, and actually I don't think he, he even put a hand on him. And this was... You know, he didn't have much room to, to, to manoeuvre in, yeah. but he just gave this wicked outside step and then the afterburners. And then, you know, the wherewithal, a lot of the time the, potato, the, the, the ball can feel a little bit like a hot potato where you want to get rid of it. And particularly when you've got someone like Anthony Watson outside you, that's that level of gas. But um, Massey, I think it was, or um, McLean at, at full back, stayed off and, and he just showed the dummy and he just, he backed his pace. So this guy has, without a shadow of a doubt, bucket loads of uh, of confidence I just I still think that he's a little bit unproven from a defensive perspective and Ireland should target that It's funny Stuart when you're talking about somebody's mentality like that the, the one of the things that sometimes happens when they get questioned and they have to come back is that the confidence goes and, and stuff like the keeping the ball and the show and go that disappears in somebody's game but he, he clearly has that sense of belief in himself as well Oh yeah there's no doubt going forward and um, you know I, I Brian's right, the acid test is going to be defensive. And it's interesting because it's also going to be the acid test for his mate, George Ford. And we're busy talking about Jonathan Joseph. And I'm sure Brian will concur. Um, if, if you've got a really creative 10 inside you who you know inside out, it doesn't make a difference. And, and the second Joseph try, the timing of Ford's pass was absolutely wondrous. And he just knows him so well, and Watson understands that. But all three of those guys, I think Watson will be tested aerially. He's a tall guy, but he's not the most commanding. Joseph, I, I, I'm certain Ireland will want to get at him, although I still think you know Ireland will kick the ball a hell of a lot. So I don't think he'll have that many tackles to make. They just might be big ones. Uh, and, and I'm certain Ireland, are, are, they're going to want to get Henshaw coming down uh, Ford's channel. And he's a guy... Um, as an Englishman looking at Ireland, uh, we're talking about Joseph. Henshaw looks as diametrically opposed as a player, big and solid and strong. Um, but I like the look of him as well, really do. How do you get it? How do you t- decide that you're going to test certain defensive capabilities or something like that? Well, obviously, you look at the you know the physical um, makeup of George Force and uh, Ford in, in contrast to a Farrell or. You know, maybe even a Toby Floater, you know, a Johnny Wilkinson in his pump. You yeah. know, we, he just wasn't a guy to to go go after his his channel. Whereas Ford, as much as he's courageous, he's probably a little bit Ron Nogara esque in that 
he's not afraid to go, you know, to, to try yeah. and make his tackles. But physically, he just can't match it with those, those with the bigger specimens. So when you get the likes of Henshaw running down that channel, Burrell is going to have to have, if it, if it is Burrell playing at 12, or whether they go for 12 trees, I think 12 trees have been quite good when he's come on for England. But you, Burrell's going to have to have a little look and thinking about helping out his friend at 10. Yeah. And when you get his shoulders turned in, that's the time that Robbie Henshaw has to give the ball back on the loop plays back to Johnny Sexton and that's when you really need to go after the attacking options. So that, that's, you know, that's for, for, for Henshaw to make the reads but also communication from, from Sexton. So I, I agree. I, I, think that, um, I think that Ireland will definitely target Ford. It's, it's, a, it's almost a given in, in every game where you go after the 10 uh, because more often than not they are the defensive weakness within a team. Stuart, from so we're we're talking about where we might attack England. Where do you expect England to try and attack Ireland? Um, I think England will try. They've been slightly disappointed with their driving line-out, and it's been a, a real strength of the Irish game. And everyone this side of the Irish Sea has been um, a marvel in how, how Smith's sort of gone from being this guru who plays this incredible wide. Uh, lots of touches of the ball, beautiful passing game to someone who's really sort of in charge of the dark arts. But yeah, that's what a good coach should do. He should see what he's got and understand it. And I think England and Stuart Lancaster look at Ireland and they think that's where they think they can beat us. And a lot of good teams will say, to beat a team like that, take them on at their strength. Uh, and I think England will try to do that. And that'll be interesting because I don't believe Courtney Laws will have enough game time to start and funnily enough, powerful as England are, they're just a little bit inexperienced, especially in the second row. So I think England will try and uh, attack Ireland scrum and line-out. Um, I think they could get some joy in the scrum, and I think they'll try and play short sides around that. But the line-out, I think they might not quite have the hand that they think they've got, at least for this coming game. It's funny because they, they have so much pace, you just assume that they try and get the ball in the hands of their backs, but they, it makes so much sense to have that game plan that Shore's talking about, Brian. Yeah, well, they, it's the English way. It's if they've been a physically, um, you know, a, 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 a physically demanding team of themselves, expecting to bully you know, opposition yeah. more often than not. Um, I think all the more, probably, with, with the greatest respect to Owen Farrell when he was at 10, um, they had to revert to that type of game. I think they have the capabilities of mixing it a little bit more with George Ford at 10. They can have that physical dominance up front, but then you know if they can provide that good quality silver service ball on a platter for, for Ford, he can pick the pass and put guys into space. And uh, that, that Joseph second try, the little pass delay, waited for as a Marini or, uh, or one of the centres um, to push our Massey to push out. Uh, against Italy and then the little drop pass off to Joseph and, and he skated in so it's those small little things that for me you know Ford is now he's very much of the sex and mould from a thinking point of view he's yeah. like that that ultimate quarterback of where he where he picks the plays that he sees rather than goes ahead with the one that's already in his head that everyone else is working off he can he can pull you know the rabbit out of the hat and pull the pass late and he takes the ball to the line and will take the shot all those things make him all that more of a threat. Lancaster has to get a lot of credit for that. I know it's kind of almost by accident rather than design shirt that he's arrived at this position, but, you know, you work really hard and you start to get lucky after a period of time. Yeah, I don't know. He seems to get very lucky, Stuart. I mean, 
His luck ran out when he had a Premiership final with most of the English team. Um, they're unavailable for a first test in New Zealand, and he lost his plot in terms of selection. England, and I, I say this because it goes back to what you're saying about, you know, with all that pace, you're surprised England don't just want to run the ball. What they started to do in New Zealand in particular and in the autumn they were running before their forwards were walking, if you know what I mean. And, yeah. and at this level of test match rugby, you've got to subdue the big men first. And what England find, uh, they're still quite inexperienced. They're young men. They find that when they do try and attack too early from too deep, um, they do find themselves isolated. They do make mistakes. They're not patient. I think it's very important for England to maintain that structure and then try and strike in bursts. That, that's very important. And, you know, I think Stuart Lancaster, he, Jonathan Joseph does not play unless Bradley Barrett is injured. Uh, if Manu Tuolangi is fit, he's probably struggling to be in the squad, though he's, you know, been the best centre in Europe this season. Um, so if you have to work to get lucky, Stuart's working bloody hard at the moment. Um, uh, but, yeah, he, he he has got quite lucky. I mean, George Ford is another one, and, you know, Ford's fortunate in that if Owen Farrell wasn't injured, Farrell would not have started, but he'd be on the bench. And he is regarded in England as one of the favoured sons. And, and I, you know, I'm not referring to Andy at all, but he, he, he's seen as a man who's built this team from Stuart Lancaster onwards. And that would put pressure on a young fly half. You know, he makes two charge downs against Wales. He's looking to the bench and saying, am I coming off? Yeah. Now he's thinking... I'm in charge, it's my team. And and I'm certain, uh, I don't know if, if Brian would say the same about Johnny. Johnny Sexton, one of the moments when you knew he was taking off as a player was when Ronan wasn't at his back all the time thinking, am I going to stay in this team because O'Gara's there? For a 10 in particular, I know this from experience, you really do want to feel that you're in charge because you've got a lot to think about. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more from the from the Johnny Sexton and Ron O'Gara situation. You know, when when Johnny was kicking goals and he, he'd miss one, the camera used to pan to Raj yeah, on the yeah. sideline. You know, and and yeah. and that comes up on the big screen, and and Johnny's looking at that when he's running back and thinking, you know, it's, am, am I on borrowed time here? And I I I I do see George Ford being a lot more comfortable knowing that Owen Farrell's gone for the Six Nations Danny Cipriani yeah. everyone's saying that he's the resurgent Danny Cipriani but is he's he still. fully to be trusted at international level in Six Nations probably not so George would want to have a bit of a disaster a bit of a nightmare for him to be brought in you know on 50 minutes in a game for, for instance uh, I have one other question uh, for you Stuart though just from a back three point of view and there's been a lot of talk this week about Johnny May uh, making way for, for Jack Nell and now the potential, even if Mike Brown is fit, do they leave Anthony Watson at fullback? I think, for, for me personally, that's nonsense. As a player of the yeah. Six Nations last year, he's one of the best fullbacks in the world. He starts without a shadow of a doubt. But I think it, it might be a smart play getting Jack Nell in there. I just feel that Johnny May, as much as he's a fantastic athlete, I think he's a little bit vulnerable as a rugby player and that Ireland potentially could... Uh, could go after the space in behind him and force him into what is a pretty average kicking game. Got a very average kicking game. You're absolutely right about Mike Brown. And, and I think Watson as well will feel more comfortable on the wing. Uh, against Sexton, you, you don't want a rookie fullback having to control that entire period, area. You need a Brown or a half-penny type player. As for Johnny May, he's, he, he's disappointed me a little bit, Brian. And I... I 
I really thought he was adding to his game. He uh, Forget the one to try against New Zealand, but against Australia, he put Falau under a lot of pressure, chasing Ben Young's box kicks, doing the things that England will look to do in tight games, as they will look to do at Lansdowne Road. There's no doubt about that. But the last couple of games, he's lost his focus a bit defensively. And he, also, I think he had, once or twice he's had three or twos, but he hasn't put away. But I think I agree with you that the, the prime concern is a defensive one. Now, he's a, a fabulous try scorer. And if you look at young Jack now, his, his try scoring tally is very average. But he'll chase. Uh, he's a good thinker. He, he'll, he'll make it slightly harder uh, for Johnny Sexton to put that ball behind him. Johnny May is a bit like Chris Ashton, who's a, a, a brilliant player in many ways. His body language makes it very easy for a 10. He, he comes up early or he drops off, which makes it so easy for your 10 to either pass or kick into space. Um, I think there's been a little bit of um, misreported in England. I, I, I think now is no guarantee. I think he's got to go and play well for Exeter, but if he does... I think he'll be the only change to the starting 15. And he won't be the man who will win England the game against Ireland, but he might be the one who doesn't lose it, which I think is what you're inferring, Brian. All right. Sure, we've got to leave it there. Thanks a million for joining us this evening. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. That's Stuart Barnes there giving us some thoughts from the England camp. Um, we want to see Johnny May in the team, judging from that question? Yeah, from an Irish perspective, I, I think so. I think yeah. he, he, he mentioned him to Chris Ashton. I kind of I would compare him to someone like Alex Cuthbert, who's you know, very talented, physically unbelievably, unbelievably able, um, athleticism th- you know, through the roof. But Big old just, target there when he stepped to the line. Yeah, I just wonder, you know, is he thinking about those things that Stuart mentioned about kicks in behind and showing a, a picture to to attend, you know, early on, but then dropping back so the picture looks different when he has the ball. Those yeah. sort of things are what makes wingers, you know, reasonably good and very, very good. All right, Brian, great stuff. We'll see you again with us at the Mansion House on Wednesday night. Yeah, looking forward to it. Off the ball with thanks to Ford. This season calls for a change off the pitch and on the road. For a quality 151 offer, you know where to turn. Ford, go further.